are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. us this morning and for those watching online thank you for joining us today and uh, we just look forward to uh, how God's going to continue to speak to us in uh, through the teaching of his word today and uh, as you've heard throughout we are on uh, the second week of our advent and uh, this is from or today is on uh, peace and so today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. If you have a Bible, you can turn there uh, with me, and uh, we look forward to sharing um, all that you have for us, um, for what the Lord will say to all of us this morning, and uh, we, we are uh, going to be looking through that, uh, being Jesus being our peace, that is our title uh, for today. And Jesus is our peace. And so we're in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. If you've uh, had, have you ever had your peace get disrupted before? That's a question, huh? You got your peace disrupted before? Um, you know, it's such an interesting time uh, for me and, and uh, as, a, as a dad, simply because uh, it feels like before I had kids, um, I felt like I was a pretty peaceful person. I was a very patient person. At least it felt that way. Um, but then how many know your patience gets tested, right? Your, your peace gets tested all the time. And uh, some, of, some of you, um, if you're a parent in a room, you, you get this especially. But when you got out the door in the morning, it used to be 10 to 15 seconds. You get right out the door, you get in the car, and you're on your way. But then when that door now opens when you have young children... How many know it's like it's a whole new world from that point of leaving that door to getting to your car? You just don't know what's about to happen. It's almost like it's like chaos breaks loose into that and from that 10 or 15 seconds. What used to take 10 or 15 seconds now takes five minutes because now you realize that I have two kids of my own and one's six, one's three. And so when we open that door, you know, it's like, well, today... One of my kids decides to take off his jacket, and it's cold outside, and so he decided that he didn't need a jacket, so he takes it right off, and I'm like, you got to wear a jacket, you're going to get sick. And then the questions start arising, why? Why do I need this? Like, and you're trying to explain, but you don't have time, and so you just try to get them out the door, not to mention you have the luggage, right? You're not going on vacation, you're just trying to get out the door, right? And, and then as you quickly are trying to make your way, you realize your youngest just got distracted by a leaf, right? And a leaf, it's, it's not just any ordinary leaf, okay? This is a leaf that has gotten the attention of your three-year-old, and it is the one leaf he wants, okay? And so he decides to run after that leaf, okay? And you're like, please, please stop running after that leaf. There's plenty of leaves to go around. Just pick up th- this one that's right next. No, it's got to be that one. And so you go and you try to gather him up, 
And then you realize your six-year-old just discovered a puddle of water. And so he is excited because he thinks it's time to swim. When it's not time to swim, it is a puddle of water. And so uh, as you get him out of the puddle, you realize your three-year-old just took his shoe off, right? Because he doesn't want the shoe anymore. He doesn't like the shoe. He wants the other pair of shoes that don't fit, right? And he wants those on now. And so it's just chaos, right? And then you finally get to the car, right? You haven't even made it inside the car. You just got to the car, right? And so it's, it's you open the door. You want to lift your three-year-old and put him in the vehicle. But today, he does not want to be lifted up. He wants to do it all himself, which he is, doesn't have the strength to do. And so he just continuously tries over and over and over. Meanwhile, you're late, right? And so um, now, you're, now you're just, you're okay, let's just get him in the car. And so you're just like, you're just going to put him in the car seat. He's now screaming, right? Because you didn't follow his orders of letting him get himself in the car. And so you just bear with it, right? And you're just like, I'll take the screams for these five minutes. I don't care. We got to go, right? And so you close the door. You're ready to go. And how many parents have done this? You just, you just have a big sigh of relief. Like it's just, ah, like, and you're now on your way. What used to take 10 or 15 seconds of your life now takes five, 10 minutes, hopefully not longer than that. Um, But that is obviously a time where your peace gets disturbed. But I'm so thankful today that we serve a God, that his peace is not based off of a circumstance, right? And so we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, turn with me there to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. This is a passage of scripture at the beginning of this uh, letter written by Paul. He is talking to them because he's realized up to this point a lot of uh, people in Ephesus are giving their life to Christ, which is wonderful. You have Jewish people doing this. You have Gentile people who are basically non-Jewish people are giving their life to Christ. And uh, such a wonderful thing to take place. But Paul realizes this, that there are some cultural things that have happened in their present and past that are coming in between one another. Okay, it's, it's your, they, they want to believe that God is, is their peace, but then there's so-and-so now in the room, and they've also given their life to Christ, and they have an issue with that individual, or because of their background, their history, whatever, there's some problems there. And so um, Paul is wanting to, you know, talk about the blessing, the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. He wants to talk to them about prayer and thanksgiving, and then he's going to start, start talking to them more and more about growing in their faith, about growing in their love for God, about growing in their love for one another, which is really going to what we're going to be talking somewhat about today. And then he's going to talk to them about growing in the revelations that God has given to them. How many of you love revelations from God, right? Those are monumental. Those are pivotal, right? So at some point in time, if you're a believer, God had revealed something personally to you. But over time, God will continuously do that. And he's going to reveal more to you. And this is what Paul wants them to grow in. He wants them to grow in these revelations. And so Paul has received some revelations himself. And so he has thought very deeply about a number of different things, and especially on this topic about Jews versus Gentiles. How does this all work in in our faith, in the Christian faith? So if you're a Jewish person uh, or if you're a Gentile person, how does this all work? Because Paul had to work through this himself, right? Because he was once, and he'll use this word, hostile. He had this hostility against Gentiles because he was Jewish and he would have this hostility towards Gentiles. He, he had to work through some of these things on his own. And so he has received some revelations from God that he wants to give to them. 
And so from this, we're going to discover some things about why Jesus is our peace. And so there are three things that we'll point out today. The first one is, in Jesus, we are brought near. In Jesus, we are brought near. Everybody say near. We're brought near to God. Verses 11 through 13, we'll read this. This is what he says. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Some of us may be wondering why that's such a, a, a big deal. Because um, that word, if you've read the story of David and Goliath, I'll use this example. If you read the story of David and Goliath, remember David comes and he hears this man named Goliath speaking down to them, right? You remember that? He's speaking down to them, and uh, he's mocking the Israelites. And so what is the phrase David says when he hears Goliath's voice for the first time? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that has defied the armies of God? I call it Old Testament Jewish smack talk. That's what they do, okay? That was Old Testament Jewish smack talk, all right? And so now this is still happening, right, in this culture. This is still happening. So you had Jewish people who are coming to know Jesus, and you have Gentiles who are coming to know Jesus, and whether or not they're circumcised or uncircumcised, what Paul is basically saying, he's like, enough of this already, right? He's like, enough of all that. And so what he's then going to say in verse 12, he says, remember that at that time, he's talking specifically to Gentiles right now, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Everybody say, but now. But now. There's going to be five things that Paul mentions, and then he's going to use that, that phrase, but now in Christ. But now in Christ. This is so important because humanly speaking, humanly speaking, when they, before Christ, there were some things that were not yet revealed. There were some things that were not yet revealed. That's why it threw the disciples for a loop when Jesus died on the cross, because that was shocking. They did not expect that. Because why? Because they didn't know this is the type of death Jesus had to go through. And so when Jesus dies on the cross and then he resurrects, eventually the revelation becomes, oh, this was supposed to happen, right? Because why? Because now God had revealed to them what the scriptures had been saying all along. So it's a revelation. And so from in this in this time, what the Gentiles have had to come to understand, people like us, if you're non-Jewish, you would be a Gentile. Um, and so you, what he is trying to teach them is this, is, is before Christ, you, had, you have to understand something. Is that for the first part of this, is Gentiles once had no relation or position with God. No relation and no position with God. But now in Christ, they do. Now in Christ, they do. And this is what Paul wants to get them to understand, is now in Christ, there is a position, there is a place for you. This is why Jesus said, I am going to go prepare a place for you. How many of you remember that? I'm going to prepare a place for you. That is not just for Jewish people. That is for you and me. That is for everybody who, who gives their life to Jesus Christ. He has given you a place. Because why? Because you are valuable to him. Personally valuable. Not just talking as a whole because God has to. No, it's because God wants to. Because God likes you and he loves you. You have a place with him. This is so important to, to know that because we sometimes think it's that we, we aren't welcome. That we aren't, it's, it's, it's not for us. And I'm here to tell you nothing is farther from the truth than that, those statements. It is for you. 
Because Jesus died for the world, you are included in that number. It is so pivotal that you at first understand, and that's what Paul wanted them to realize, is that this moment, there was no relation and no positioning with God. But now in Christ, they do. Because why? Because of a revelation. A revelation came through Jesus. The second part of this is Gentiles were once excluded from God's people, and they had no part in God's purposes with Israel. No part. Remember, this was, this was for the Old Testament when God was doing stuff. He was, who was he using? Jewish people. He was using the nation of Israel to reveal himself to the whole world. But the, unfortunately, a lot, of, a lot of Jewish people during this time thought it was just about them and only them. <laughs> but how many know as the revelations of Christ started to be revealed, they realized more and more, even the disciples realized this, oh no, this is actually for the world because of what Christ has done. This was, this, God was just using us to show, uh, show the world his power and who he is and what he has come to do. And they were just, they were vessels. They are valuable, but so is everybody else. Everybody else is valuable too. And this is such an important part of their journey. But now in Christ, they do have a plan. God does have a plan for their life. God does have a purpose for their life. And so you internalize that. Paul has realized everybody's, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose for your life. And this is so critical right up front to understand these types of things, especially simply because you could come to this place and be discouraged. You can come and, and think that, you know what, and I, you, know, you can believe that God's active, but he's not active in my life. Pastor Bobby, he's active in everybody else's life, but he's not active in mine. You know, you can believe a number of different things that you can believe that you're in a, well, I would call a spiritually dry season. You're in a desert, you're in a wilderness, and you can get discouraged because you're, you're like, God, why are you doing this? I don't understand that. What, what is my purpose, God? And you, you just, you ask all these kinds of questions, and they're valid questions for sure. But what I want you to know is that there is an enemy who wants to take that one way, but there is a God who wants to take that a completely different direction. Here's what the enemy will tell you. It's over, just give up, and just quit because you're in a desert and you might as well just quit because God obviously doesn't want anything to do with you. Everything is coming to a, a drastic end for you. And he wants you to go one way with that. What God is actually saying to you is that even in a desert, spiritually speaking, even in a desert where you feel like God's not up to anything, or I just feel numb, or I, I just, I don't understand what God is up to. This can be a, a life thing. This can also be a specific situation. But what I want us to understand is this, is God is actually wanting to birth something brand new. Because you serve a God who creates something out of nothing. So what does a desert show you? A desert is showing you, is actually, because, okay, let me use this, this illustration. I've been to the Judean wilderness. I got to visit that when I was about a sophomore in college and, in Israel. Now, in the Judean wilderness, I'm here to tell you, there is literally nothing. Okay? You want to know what it's like there? It is hot and there is nothing. Okay? Very simple. <laughs> there is no shade. Okay? So when you read the story of Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, I don't know how he did it. I was there for three hours and I drank so much water. I have never drank that much water in my entire life. It is, it is miserable. And so you see that and then you, hear, you, you feel that at times. And you're like, I, I just don't know what you're doing. What if God is using your desert as a preparation stage for what's next? What if God is preparing you for your purpose? What if God is actually 
putting to death some, thing, some things in your life that need to die out so that you can handle the blessing that he has for you on the other side because the God who brought you to the wilderness is going to bring you through. He's actually bringing you through something, but there are some things that need to die off. There are some things that need to get, be getting rid of, and it could be maybe a struggle. It could also be a lie that you've believed about yourself, but what if, because I'm, te- I'm telling you, God is the God who creates something out of nothing. And so when you're in a desert, there is nothing. Because, and there's a reason for that, is because when God said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail over it, what he is telling you is that 100% of the glory is going to go to him and 0% to humanity. 0% to me. 0% to you. It's going to be 100%. And do you know, sometimes God's got to teach us that. God's got to remind us of that. That, hey, 0% is going to you. The glory, the honor, the credit, 0% is going to you. 100%. So that when you come to know that, when that is finally revealed to you and you internalize that and you say, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I will give you 100% of the credit, 100% of the glory. I just need you to show up in my life. God says, now I'm ready to show you something because I want you to be able to handle something that I have for you so that the person you come and encounter with, the person, you may be thinking, well, Pastor Bobby, is he trying to be mean? No, 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 he's not being mean. He, what he is simply doing is he's growing you and developing you. He's, he's giving you more and he's revealing to you more and more of your purpose so that you handle it properly because I can tell you this, there are plenty of people who are gifted around our world who are not handling their gifts and talents well. They're using it for selfish motivation, selfish reasons, and it's actually become more harmful to them than it is a blessing to them. What they thought would provide fulfillment is actually destroying them. I mean, there are plenty of people who make a lot of money, who have a lot of influence, who come crashing down, and they'll even tell you becoming this type of person that I thought would give me the life that I wanted to live actually became the thing that destroyed my life. Because why? Because they, they didn't make it about God. They made it about themselves. And when you build your foundation on your life, on yourself, it will come crashing down at some point. It is so important that you understand that this preparation stage is so important. He's, he's taking you deeper so that when you feel like There's nothing left. There's nothing more to gain from it. God says, now I'm going to birth something brand new because I am the God who brings something out of nothing. I'm the one who breathes life into something where there is no life. That is the beautiful thing about that. Now, the third thing about this is that Gentiles had no part in the covenants. So what do you mean by covenants, Pastor Bobby? Well, there is in Old Testament, there is a covenant given to Abraham. And he says, out of this, I'm going to birth a nation as, as numerous as uh, the sand on the seashore, right? He, he gives that covenant to Abraham. Then we see a covenant made to a man named King David. Remember, he says, from this line of David, I am going to bring about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I'm going to bring about the Messiah. Then we see the, the Messiah himself as far as a covenant with the Jewish people, that the Messiah, the one who will save you from the sin, from the sin of your life, the one who will save you, rescue you, redeem you, bring salvation, is going to come through the Messiah. And so there's a covenant there. There's a covenant with the Holy Spirit. There's a numerous different covenants. And what the Gentiles have now realized, it's because of Jesus 
these promises are now for us. They're for all of us. And this is why you can claim a promise like Romans 8, 28. He says, and God works for the good of those who love, God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He's working all things, even the season you thought was a waste. You thought it was pointless or you thought that there was no activity, but really you've just come to discover through that promise, God has been active the whole time in the good seasons and the bad seasons. He's been there. He's been with me in the valleys. He's been with me on the mountaintops. He's, he's been with me everywhere. He's, he's always been there. He's been with me when, when I'm having a great week. He's been there with me even in the middle of the struggles. And you know what? Even in the middle of your struggle, God still loves you and he's still active in it. He's still working. He's going to bring you through. I don't know how, but I just know that he is. And so what you can come to realize even with them, what they come to realize is that these promises aren't just meant for the good, the good people. It's meant for everybody. These promises can be given to them. They can receive them. So the, all the promises are for us. The Gentiles, the fourth thing Paul says is that they had no hope, no relief. Have you ever had no hope, no relief? No, so, much, so much so that you had no relief that you just needed a nap, right? You just, come on somebody, you need that nap, amen? Uh, you know, you just needed some relief, right? I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's not a fun place to be. But Paul says Gentiles had no hope. No relief. But now in Christ, they do have hope. They do have relief because of what he has done. He's given them guaranteed hope, and he's going to refresh their soul. This is what Paul's doing. He's addressing right in this moment the Gentiles. In a moment, he's now going to address the Jewish people. But at this moment, he wants them to both understand that he is doing something brand new, and there's going to be 0% credit given to either side. None of it. It's going to go all to Christ. All of it. That's what he's doing. He's setting them up. He's addressing Gentiles, but then he's going to address some Jewish people. And what he has to say to the Jewish people is the reason why he's actually in prison in this moment while he's writing this letter. This is why they wanted him dead, because of the things he's about to say. But he first then gives them the fifth thing. He says, Gentiles, now that the Gentiles have hope in Christ, he says, now Gentiles, at one point in time, were without God, the one true God. But now in Christ, they have access to God. He's going to elaborate on this, but now they have access to God. And so what he wants them to understand, it's not about you, it's about him. It's all about him. And what he's going to tell the Jews, he's going to say, it's not about you either, it's all about him. And so what we've come to realize is that Jesus has bridged a gap between us and God. Because there was a, there was a divide, I like to think of it a bridge, where there's a if there's not a bridge, you can't get to the other side. And so a bridge must be built in order for you to get to the other side. And what he wants them to understand is that this bridge cannot be built by human hands. Cannot be built by human hands. It is built only by one person, and his name is Jesus. Remember, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, if, I, if there's another way, God, for for this to happen, then let it be so. Let somebody else build a bridge. If there's another bridge that can be built to have access and relationship with you again, God, let it be so. But if it's not my will, it's yours. And Jesus went through with it. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, and then Jesus will resurrect, giving new life. This is so important because this is why Jesus became the perfect sacrifice, because there was no other way. John 14, verse 6 tells us that. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man's going to get to God the Father but through me is so pivotal that people understand, and they understand. Because look what it says. He says, 
by the blood of Christ. You may think that's kind of graphic, but what we have to understand, this is a sacrificial term, which means there needed to be something, someone, to take your place. And so Jesus takes your place. By why? By how? By shedding his blood literally on the cross for your sins and for mine. He died a, a, a horrific death for our sin. So he became that perfect sacrifice for all people. Now, the second part of this is this. is through Jesus, we have peace with God and his people. Verse 14 through 18 says this. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one. Everybody say one. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. I'll stop right there for a moment just because I want us to understand that. See, you just see what he said. He has made the two groups one. Two groups one. Now, he's going to elaborate a little bit more on that in just a moment. But what I want us to get is the destroyed barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Destroyed barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. A lot of scholars have debated about this. There's five different reasons that they go into this. But there's one that comes really more clear to us. And that is, um, let me illustrate it this way. If uh, When Paul gets arrested in Jerusalem, we've read about this in the book of Acts. We've taught on it. When, when he is going back to Jerusalem... After starting all these churches, all these different things, remember the people, the elders of Ephesus, he meets with before he goes to Jerusalem, and they try to stop him. You remember that? They try to stop him. They say, do not go to Jerusalem, Paul. They're coming for you, and there's nothing good that's going to come out of that, Paul. But Paul does it anyway. The moment Paul gets arrested, here's the reason why he gets arrested. He is going to the temple, and he's walking through the wall, one of the walls, and he goes through. There is a Gentile that is near him, by him, behind him, who knows? He is with him, and he's walking through, and the Jewish people see him, the Gentile. If Because of what they believed, if, that, if a Gentile walked past that wall, they are supposed to, with all their might, find a way to kill that person. That was what they believed. They were to kill that. But who do they blame? Paul. They blame Paul, which is the reason why Paul gets they come after Paul, and you remember the Romans have to get involved, and they have to protect Paul because they're just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Why are they? Because they don't understand what the, the, the significance of that moment was in their culture. A Gentile has just gone past a certain point where he is not supposed to go past, and all of a sudden there is all-out chaos. <laughs> and so they have to protect Paul, and they have to the Romans take Paul to the barracks because they don't know any other safe place for Paul because they wanted him dead because they blamed him for it. So in that mindset, what Paul is now saying is Jesus has destroyed that wall of hostility. You get the picture? He has destroyed that wall of hostility between who? Between Jews and Gentiles. That is what he's saying. He's destroyed that wall so that the two now become one. There is no longer hostility. Now watch this. It says, by setting aside, in verse 15, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So I'm going to stop there. Paul's not saying the Old Testament law is invalid, that you should not read the Old Testament. Old Testament doesn't have anything to do with you anymore. What Paul is simply saying is about these barriers. Everybody follow? The physical barriers, because they wanted to make it about all these physical things, circumcised, uncircumcised. Paul says that is removed. Let's not get on that topic anymore. So what he's saying is the, the morality is still there, 
But all these physical things that we're trying to do, because why? Because they're trying to look at it through the lens of, if I do these physical things, I can earn my way to heaven. How many know that doesn't work, right? Because why? There is a gap. It is not built by a man. It is going to be built by Jesus. So that's what Paul is talking about. So then he says, his purpose was to create in himself, here we go, he's now addressing Jewish people, which is probably why he gets arrested here, is one new humanity out of the two. Everybody say that word, new. New. Not Jew, not Gentile, new. Because what? God is a creator. So what does a creator do? He creates something new all the time. This is what he does. He says, I'm creating something new out of it. So he's, so anybody, this is where salvation comes. Here it comes. You ready? This is how salvation happens. When a Jew or a Gentile puts their faith and trust in Christ, Jesus brings you in to himself. And what happens? He births something brand new out of you. It's called a new creation. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You are not a Jew. You are not a Gentile. You are a follower of Christ. You are a Christian, in other words. He has birthed something brand new. You may think, well, how does this, how does this all, this is why God is a miraculous God. He's God. We're not. He can do the miracles. We can't. Okay? So it is so important that you grab a hold of what he's trying to do here. He's trying to explain something. It's not about positions and power and all that stuff. No, 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 no. You humble yourself before God. He brings you in, and then out of, out of him, he's going to give you new life, new creation. That's what he does. This is such a, a powerful thing that Paul is bringing out. It is, and this is what he said, thus making peace. And then verse 16, in one body to reconcile both of them and both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So here we go. The second part is through Jesus we have peace with God and his people. How many of you love that part where it says we have peace with God? Yeah, right? We like that part. Now there's a second part Paul just said. Now we have peace with his people. Uh-oh. When there's people, there's conflict. <laughs> no, it's okay. We can be honest. When there's people, there's conflict, right? There's issues. There's preferences. There's opinions about stuff. So how does this, what is, what is Paul trying to say? He is, what he's just said is Jesus has put to death hostility. What, what does that word hostility mean? It is valid reasons for, the re, for why you have a problem with somebody. Valid reasons. Notice I didn't say unrealistic reasons or anything like that valid. They're actually valid. What, what Paul is saying is God has reasons to oppose humanity and to do nothing. He has actual reasons. Because why? He can bring up the list of all the sins we have ever committed. He can bring them all up. But what does, Je- what does, what does Jesus teach us? Is he actually, when you're in Christ, he puts to death all of that. So even though he has reasons, he says, I wipe it clean. This is why the powerful scripture says, God forgives and he forgets. He forgives and he forgets. He wipes it all clean. He says, I'm not holding anything against you anymore. How many know because of our human limitations, we can forgive, but we can't forget? So again, here's, here's your view now of God you have. God is able to do something humanity is unable to do once again. And so this is, this is so powerful what Paul is, is bringing out. And so what now, what now is he saying? He's saying between Jews and Gentiles, 
He says, you put to death your hostility against one another. Whatever past, history, whatever, I don't know what you've got against each other. Paul says you put to death the hostility you have with one another. Why? Why? Why does Paul say that? Because Jesus has done that for you. And when you have received what you have received from Jesus, you are able to now extend that towards other people. You are able to do that. Because why? Because of what you have received from Christ. It is so important that you do that. And because why? Because nothing, this is really, I think, the gold of the enemy. This is the gold, G-O-L-D, the gold. What does he do? Is he, he makes sure people, Christians, have hostility towards one another because a distracted unbeliever, or a distracted believer is an unproductive one. A distracted believer is an unproductive believer. They will be unproductive. Why? Because their focus is elsewhere. It's not on God. It's not about lifting up the name of Jesus and about being unified with one another. No, 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 no. They're focused on what somebody else did, their hostility. They're so distracted. And you know what's happening and what Paul's come to realize? It is actually a weight that has been put on you that you were never meant to carry in the first place. If I gave you a backpack full of bricks, how many know you have a backpack full of bricks on your shoulders? (laughs) You're going to know. And I say, Now run as fast as you can. How many know you're not going to be able to go as fast as you want to because of the backpack of bricks that are on you? It is a weight. It is a distraction. It is something that you were never meant to carry. I mean, you can. I mean, science will even prove it. If you go into the mental and the emotional and the in the physical health, all these different kinds of things, it's just going to confirm what the Bible has already told us, right? I'm not saying that we. I, I appreciate those who are evaluating those types of things. I really do. I have benefited from you. Thank you for doing that. I really have. What I'm just here to tell you is that this can help us understand the truth of God's word and what he's trying to do. He's, He's helping us understand something. There are things we were never meant to carry. It is so, so powerful in these moments. This is what he says, and he came and preached peace to you who are far away, peace to those who are near. For through him we are, we are both have access to the Father by one Spirit. This is so powerful to, to know this simply because there doesn't need to be any hostility. You don't have to uh, view your, maybe your desert season as if God's not active in your life. God's, not, God's active in everybody else's life. Because you want to know why I'm saying all that? God is active in your life. You may think God is active everywhere else, but not in yours. I have made those statements before. Made those. I said, God, you're active everywhere else, but why are you not active in mine? Why are you not doing something in me? Why are you not doing something through me? God, I don't understand why this is happening, why that is happening. God, I just want to know the reasons why. God, what's my purpose? What have you designed in me? What are you doing right now? And so from that, I've learned to to do something over time, and it has shown me something. It has shown me something that's very important to me. You need to see this book right here. This is a book I call For Bobby Hackett's Eyes Only. (laughs) <laughs> this is for my, my eyes only. Why? Because this is where, for some strange reason, I can be honest with my God. And I say, God, why this? Or, God, I see you active everywhere, but why are you not active here with me? And so I've writ these, wrote these thing, written these things down, and, and I look through it over time, and I realize... I realized something. I was like, holy cow, God has been active this whole stinking time. He is actually more alive, more active in me than I ever thought. What I thought was a desert 
was actually God birthing something brand new in me. And it became more than I ever thought or imagined that was possible. I, I just, I'm blown away by what this says. Because I feel like the psalmist. Have you ever read the book of Psalms? They're all over the place. They're roller coasters. And I realize I'm a roller coaster. Maybe you realize you're a roller coaster, right? It's like, it's okay. It's like, wow, like, I identify with what they're saying. It's like, why is, why is this working for this person, but it's not working for me? What? You just, the questions go on going. They keep going and going and going. And I look at it, and this is why I think something like this is especially important to a lot of people and important people. Uh, it, it's very important for you to do this, simply because why? Because if you just go off of what your thoughts and your memory, how many know you can't remember everything six months ago? <laughs> Maybe you're like, I can't even remember yesterday, right? Maybe, but that's where you are. You know, but it's so important because why? This is why the scriptures become so important because why? They wrote it down. Can you imagine if they just went off of memory and they left out 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, therefore if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone and new has come. How many of you know, we need that verse. I need that verse. Do you need that verse? It's a good thing they wrote that down because otherwise we, I, I don't know what, what it would be like without it. It is so important that you do these type of things. Why? And, and you do in your own way, but Pastor Bobby, I don't have time. Listen, this takes me less than five minutes to do. I just write it down as fast as I can. I can't believe how fast my hand can write when I'm determined, right? And it, it helps me process through what is going on up here and what's going on in my heart. And then I'm able to see the fingerprints of God all over. I have more to say about this in a moment, but I'm going to move on to the next point, which is with Jesus as our cornerstone, we are the dwelling of God. With Jesus as our cornerstone, we are the dwelling of God. Verse 19 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. The foundation that's been built on the apostles and prophets is, is obviously very important, simply because if you read these words, this is where some people get tripped up on. Well, how, do you, how can you trust this Bible? It was written by humans. Well, the Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed, first of all. And so when you read that, the second part of that you have to understand is go ahead, evaluate it as much as you would like. You're going to come to the conclusion that God is real and God is active all over these pages. And what they have to say is absolutely 100% true. I've seen a numerous people, Josh McDowell is one of them, who dedicated his entire life to disproving what is written on these pages. Raised money to do that. How many of you know that is a determined individual? And he says, one day it clicked. And he says, it's all true. It's all true. Because why? He got hung up on something. And through the, the craziness of what he was trying to do, it actually, he actually gave his life to Christ. Because it became true. This is so important that we understand what, it's, what the words are, but they also understand the foundation as the chief cornerstone is who? Jesus Christ. That, word, that phrase, chief cornerstone, is mentioned in one specific area in Isaiah 28, verse 16. I'm just going to read it real fast. This is what it says. This is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. What that is simply saying is this, is that Jesus is the, if, if everything gets removed in this world, there is one who is immovable. It's Jesus. 
Paul recognized the prophecy in Isaiah, 20, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. He realized the prophecy that was mentioned by Isaiah. And now he brings it up here to say, go ahead, all the storms, throw it at me no matter what. Paul has went through some storms. He's actually in prison at the moment writing this letter. He is, he is currently walking through one. He says, you can throw everything at me that, that you want to. All I know is there is one person who is immovable. And that is Jesus. And that's what he's come to the conclusion of. Is that, so, for those of us who are walking through things, just be sure to know this. The Bible says this very clearly, that he is the beginning and the end. Everything starts with him, everything ends with him. It is, he is the beginning and the end. I'll have the worship team come. Because why? Because he's immovable. You can't move him. And, this, and at the time of that prophecy in Isaiah, it's not a good season for the Israelites. It's not fun times. Things aren't going great. And this is the point Isaiah was making. He was saying, as much storms as they can possibly come against you, just know God is with you. He is unmovable. He will be with you. And actually, what you thought was the end is just the beginning because everything starts with him and ends with him. He has the final word over it all. And in case you're wondering, he is also in the middle. He's in the beginning. He's in the end. He's also in the middle. He's very active. He's very alive. He is moving all over the place. And then he says this. In him, the whole building is joined together. That's Christ. Verse 21. And rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Everybody say dwelling. I love that word. Dwelling. In the Old Testament, even in this time, People came to you and asked, what God do you serve? What God do you serve? You would point at the temple of where your God is at. That's where you would go. You would point at the temple and say, there's my God. He's over there. He's over there. Even in this time, this is where Paul gets into some trouble. <laughs> Statements like this. Because they believed that same thing still. My God's in that temple. It's all about that. What Paul is now saying, he says, because of Christ, it's not about a temple right now. He's actually in you. Don't point at the temple anymore. Point here. He's with you. I mean, Pastor Bobby, how is that possible? It's called your testimony. He's in your story, and he's all over the place. This is what I've come to know in something like this. Is like, my goodness, God, you were more alive, more active in the dryness of my life, in the wilderness, and the storms that have come against my life. Not so much outwardly, but inwardly. You were so alive. You were so active. You were more active, I think, in those moments than you were when, I was, when life was going great, when life was going wonderful. You become more alive because he said that that he would be with us always, even to the end of the age. That scripture comes to life to me. I don't know about you, but when you discover more of who God is, when you, when you realize you say more than just Jesus is our peace, but now you say Jesus is my peace when you internalize it, which is our main idea for the day, because it's easy for us to say, yeah, Jesus is our peace. No, 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 no. Say this, Jesus, you're mine. You're my peace because of what I've seen you do. 
I can point to these moments where I've, where I've been through something, I've walked through something, and I say, oh my goodness, God, you were alive the whole time in that. You were all over the pages. You were all over that situation. I can't believe how amazing of those moments. I didn't catch it, but now I do. What you are now doing is you're building your testimony. You're building your story. And the more you recognize in your story, the more you'll be able to use to reach more people. So that when people start talking or they start asking questions to me or they're saying this is what I'm walking through, man, I'm going to a page in my book and I'm saying I remember what that felt like. I remember the dryness. I remember the frustrations. I remember where I was angry or I didn't understand or I was confused or or, or whatever the case may be, I can point to a part of my story and I say, I know maybe not every part of their life and situation and what they're walking through, but at least I can get a glimpse. You see, when you allow God to continue to work in you and you continue to believe, I'm telling you, God shows up. God shows up. He is your peace. And he's with you always, even to the end of the age. That is a promise that is for all. For all who call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, you will be saved. It's that simple. He did all the heavy lifting for you. He did all the hard work. He really did. This is why Paul would even get blown away by the grace of God, because I guarantee you this, Paul has asked this question because I've asked this question, saying, God, why would you go through all of that? Sometimes it's just hearing the word exactly. That's how much I love you. That's how much I care. That's the extreme lengths I'm willing to go. This is why the grace of God is so amazing. This is why the the hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretched man, woman, child like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I clearly see the handprints of God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand this morning. With every head bowed, I close today. I'm going to ask this question. Is Jesus your peace? What I mean by that is, is Jesus Lord over your life? You can come into this place and not be a believer. And guess what? We, we welcome you. You're welcome here. We welcome you with open arms. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. He wants you to be, he wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to make you a new creation, as he says. But the decision is entirely in your hands to whether or not you want to do that. It's, he's not going to force you. He's not going to do anything to make you do that. He just offers an open invitation. It's a gentle invitation. It's not a harsh one. It's not a guilt trip one. It is a gentle invitation to you. And if you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Christ, I'm telling you, don't walk out of this place without doing so. We'll have a prayer team that will pray over you this morning. If you're walking through a season right now and you just, you need prayer, you need somebody to believe with you, and maybe you have questions and maybe you don't have an answer right now, I'm telling you, that's okay. You don't need to have an answer right now. It's not about having the answer. It's about who is with you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is your peace. And if you... Remind yourself of that over and over and over. Whatever the enemy throws at you, it won't flourish in your life because Jesus is with you. And so this morning, if 
if you need to, maybe there's some hostility that you don't necessarily need to go to the person about, but maybe you just need to lay it down and say, God, I give it to you. I, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. And it's, it eats away at you. It distracts you. It keeps you up at night, maybe at times. And you just need to release it to the Lord today. Just respond to that in faith, knowing that he does heal outwardly, but he also heals the heart. That's you today. I encourage you to be prayed over because the things I share with you today are not things I came up with on my own time. It came from people that have spoken in my life. It came from people when I was willing to say, I need your help because I don't know what to do or what's going on or how to even look at this situation. It came from other people. It did not come from my own self. And it was when they opened the Bible and they shared their experience, the word of God came to life in my heart. And I said, oh, that's what he meant. And it brought so much joy and peace to my own life. Amen. This morning, I'm going to pray over you today before we're dismissed. And uh, just by a sign of surrender this morning, if you're like me and there's, you say, Lord, right now I'm walking through something and I just need to, I just need your peace in this moment. And what you're going to do is just call it out on your own, wherever you're at, and just say, Lord, I need your peace here. God, show me how to go about it. I don't know, but God, I need your peace right now. If that's you along with me, just say, here I am, Lord. As I leave today, let your peace go with me because you promised it would and help me to live like it. So today, let's do that as we're dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your peace, Jesus being our peace. Lord, it's not about receiving the answer 100%, but God, it's about you. It's all about you. It's about who is with us, who is for us. So Lord, today for whatever we're walking through, Lord, if there's, Lord, a, a dryness in our life or if there's a, a situation that we are, it's, it's, it's harmful to us or it's, 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 it's really consuming our minds. God, I pray that your peace would rest in that. Lord, in this moment, Lord, if there's hostility, Lord, we could have valid reasons as to why, as your word says clearly. But Lord, if it's something we just need to be reminded of to lay at your feet today, Lord, we lay it down because of, Lord, not holding things against us. Lord, you want us to be free. You want us to experience peace, the peace that you offer. As we read today, Lord, you, it is the peace you give. And so, Lord, we receive that today as we walk out of here and we take it with us. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you as you're dismissed today. If you want to receive prayer, you can make your way forward before uh, you leave today. If you, one of the staff can pray for you or one of the prayer teams, God bless you. Turn in your cards before you leave and have a wonderful afternoon.